Greetings, I'm Daniel Burkholder, and welcome to another episode of Act React Podcast, where we explore improvisation through conversations with remarkable artists. In this episode, I talk with Ed Sarath, a musician whose improvisation practice includes jazz, free improvisation, meditation, integral theory, and consciousness studies. We touch on all these elements in a concise but comprehensive discussion. I feel like I need to have another two or three conversations with Ed to really dig into all the elements we bring up here. But for now, here's a short bio about Ed. Ed Sarath is professor of music in the Department of Jazz and Contemporary Improvisation at the University of Michigan School of Music, Theater, and Dance, and also director of the UM program in Creativity and Consciousness Studies. He divides his time between teaching, scholarship, performing, composing, recording, speaking, and spearheading leadership initiatives. He founded and serves as president of the International Society for Improvised Music. His most recent book is Black Music Matters, Jazz and the Transformation of Music Studies. His book, Improvisation, Creativity, and Consciousness, Jazz as Integral Template for Music Education Society, is the first to apply the conscious-based worldview called integral theory to music. He designed the BFA in Dance and Contemplative Studies, the first degree program at a mainstream academic institution to include a significant meditation and consciousness studies component. His compositional work spans diverse musical horizons and ensemble types. His large ensemble jazz compositions are featured in his recording, New Beginnings, played by the London Jazz Orchestra. His recent work crosses jazz and classical boundaries, which includes Brahma, Vishnu, Shiva for 90-voice choir, string orchestra, and jazz soloists. And His Day is Done for symphony orchestra, choir, and jazz soloist based on a Maya Angelou poem dedicated to Nelson Mandela and premiered at Nelson Mandela University, Port Elizabeth, South Africa in August 2016. Please check out the show notes for links or more information about Ed. Um, but for now, here's our conversation. Enjoy. Well, hello, Ed, and uh, thank you so much for joining me today. Hello, Daniel. It's my pleasure to be here. Great. Thank you. Um, I kind of just want to dive into the kind of present moment and um, ask you if you could describe your current improvisational practice, how it manifests itself in your, in your life and performing life. Um, and teaching life currently? Sure. I mean, it's a, it's a huge part of what I do. I play an instrument called a flugelhorn. Uh, yeah. Most people know it, but um, a lot of people don't. It's kind of in the, in the trumpet family. So I, I'm a jazz improviser, but it's like even that word is um, a word that needs, I mean, you could actually be, you know, we have a whole symposium on, in terms of what that word means and still, it'd probably be more confused at the end than the beginning of it. But for me, jazz is that, and I, and I write about jazz, um, from you know, from a various standpoints, and of course, it's central to my teaching. Um, but I, I think of jazz as kind of a gateway to um, okay. uh, really broad musical regions. So sometimes I say jazz world music is very another really problematic term. Yeah. Jazz and outward, it's, jazz is kind of a self-transcending gateway to um, broader musical horizons. So I do a lot of free improvising, I do jazz improvising, and I do kind of the whole continuum. And uh, in fact, uh, our school just started here, so uh, last night was kind of my uh, okay. improvisation across fields night. So I have um, you know classical musicians, jazz musicians together, and I also have you know dancers and people from theater and that kind of thing. Mm. So 
so what I so that's what I do as a practicing musician, and, and as I just said, I, I teach that kind of thing, but I also write about it. So I've written several books about uh, the, the creativity, what I call the creativity consciousness relationships, and it goes into the spirituality kind of thing. And I think you had mentioned some interest in uh, meditation practices, so I'd be happy to uh, talk about that connection. That's a it's kind of yeah. all about what I'm I'm doing. So, so I'm a practicing artist, a pedagogue, and um, you know I do uh, theoretical work, writing uh, articles and books. Uh, and it wasn't that wasn't in the plan at the beginning. Um, uh-huh. And I, if I had known how much time that would take, I probably would have <laughs> not gone down that route. But I felt I felt like uh, a, a story needed to be told about the inner dimensions of the creative process, especially in schools of music and um, aesthetic, cultural, all kinds of social justice connections. Um, and it's interesting because the spiritual doesn't get mixed in with the social justice often enough, um, and so that's what I'm trying to do. And now I don't, I don't know if you're um, aware of a, there's a, a worldview called integral theory. In fact, Ken Wilber is sort of in your, um, you're in, you're in Colorado area. Uh, I'm in Milwaukee. Oh, Milwaukee. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, yeah, um, and. Um, so, so Ken, Ken is in Boulder. For some reason, I thought um, I thought the playground. You're connected with the playground. Um, uh, my my, I had a long time a dance company called the Playground. Wow. So okay. that may be a, a different playground. A different playground. It is yeah. incredible name. So um, you know, yeah, yeah. It's not the first time a name has you know sort of done no. duty. No. So uh, yeah. Uh, well, so talking about integral theory. So integral theory is a, is a consciousness based worldview that. Is um, you know the the, found, the founding theorist is Ken Wilber who lives in the Colorado area and um, and so so my last two books are the first two to, to apply integral to music and which is kind of a, an amazing circumstance in that integral theory is all about the arts interacting with spirituality and science and humanities and all that kind of thing it's a really interdisciplinary but it hadn't really been applied to music yet and and, and it was almost you know something waiting to happen so. I'm, um, kind of happy and kind of you know honored to have that chance to, to do that and I, I put out a book called Improvisation Creativity and Consciousness and then my most recent book that was about five years ago my most yeah. recent book is Black Music Matters and it goes goes into the same thing um, connecting as I was saying before it's spiritual social justice yeah. and the creativity and and that sort of thing so that's kind of a you know, sort of in a, yeah. few, a little bit more in a few senses. Sentences. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, I actually am familiar with integral work. Oh, great. Um, yeah. I've 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 read a number of Ken's books and um, listened to like a million podcasts yeah. and um, and actually I use the integral framework when I'm teaching improvisation, dance improvisation. Yeah, All right. um, yeah that's great. Yeah. Yeah, and and I for me I feel like one of the things. Um, without getting kind of bogged down in it for other people who may not be familiar with it, but this relationship between kind of inner and outer um, or subjective and objective. um, And I think that, that for me is a really powerful way of framing things to help people understand that there's your subjective experience, which is really important, has value, but then there's also these objective ways that we can look at structure or form or um, other elements of what we're doing um, that are also important and and giving weight to kind of both those sides um, in a way that sometimes I think at least in dance improvisation people tend to go one way or the other and and don't find that balance and so maybe that's a nice segue for you to because um, I was really excited when I saw that you had that experience but also your meditation experience and how that feeds into your um, improvisational practice 
maybe you could speak about that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, this is so interesting, and, um, and I, I love this topic. And let, let me just throw one more thing in to connect it, you know, to kind of follow up. <laughs> um, you know, and it's funny because I just, I just, I'm looking at a cluttered desk here, but here's like a little adver- advertising prop here. So, uh huh, excellent. <laughs> and I'll only hold it for a few seconds and <laughs> stop the, the screen there. <laughs> but, um, you know, one of the interesting things, too, is, is that. In the integral literature, I mean, Ken and other integralists really uh, give very powerful accounts of the arts as a transformative, um, and, and this kind of sets up the meditative, as a transformative catalyst and all this kind of thing. But you know what's interesting? I don't know if you've noticed this. The, um, there's very little about improvisation in the integral literature. And it's like there's kind of a continuum where most of what of, of art commentary and integral is, I'm generalizing here, is about kind of the, um, the visual arts. All right. Yeah. And then when you go into the performing arts, um, it's much less. And it's uh, especially in music, it's about, you know, classical music, which is a, sort of a, a composed, you know, art object kind of paradigm. And of course, we want yeah. the whole thing. Uh, but there's very little on impro- improvisation. And I, I, I kind of sort of did a little bit of a critique of inner discourse in that way. And, and what you were saying earlier about in jazz dance, it's 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 often not improvisatory. Although it's, right. you got somebody on, on your program that was an exception to that, and that's that's sort of consistent with that pattern. Yeah. And and I agree. Integral is is a, you know it's sort of an object to meet, uh, or that the what it does is it brings the inner, the subjective, and the objective to, together, so we can actually diagnose those imbalances. And it sounds like you're doing some wonderful things in that way in dance. So and so so I view the meditative uh, the meditation as kind of a sort of another step down there it's kind of getting into the foundations of subjectivity i mean that's that's really mm-hmm. what it's about um this experience of, of pure what i sometimes call pure consciousness uh an experience that's transcendent of thought of mental activity yet exquisitely awake um and it's just such a because what you're doing is you're you're really going into the core of the creative process um you're sort of stepping outside of it i mean although although you know, I, I kind of do this, and one could easily do it, view meditation as a kind of creative activity, of course. Um, and especially when we start going into sort of down the integral road, it's like everything's creative, and uh, it's kind of nice, and, it, and that gets problematic. But, um, yeah, so, so for me, I mean, it just to, to, to quickly, you know, broach that as an introductory thing, it's just contacting uh, meditation as a tool for contacting levels of consciousness that are transcendent, the active, you know, mental and physical sensory activity, and then you go back in and you, um, you have you're drawing for more, and, and, and uh, yeah. yeah, that's sort of that's great. The, the basic there. So, in like when you're in either in your personal practice or when you're kind of offering this this these ideas or these experiences to to students, um, what does that look like? Do you do you like have a meditation session and then take up the instruments are they kept separate are they are you are you trying to merge those experiences or how closely do they get connected for you yeah it's a really interesting question it's sort of uh, all of the like in an ideal situation <laughs> it's all of the above so there's there's definitely time taken where you know we just sit in, in silence um, mm-hmm. and then we then you know the the, the improvising and I know you, you're all about this too I mean I can just tell the um, you know the improvising is there's so many openings to meditative approaches to improvising. So, um, and I, you know, I have I have a whole set of silent studies, for instance, and mm. um, where uh, we're creating with sound, but we're but 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 we kind of flip the 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 focus. So so the sounds are 
we approach sounds as kind of interruptions in a certain, it's not probably not the best word, interruptions yeah. in the background of silence and that's sort of where the action is. Yeah. Silence being, you know, essentially that's consciousness, uh, which is all pervasive. And so what happens then is that we, you know, we can be in the moment. We can, we can act, we can function on a moment to moment basis in a much more profound way. Um, I think if I have theoretical models about this too. We can we can we can do what I call breakdown time frame. So so if if one can imagine um, kind of a flow of events and in each occupying some kind of time frame as you know measured by the clock, uh, right. different different states of awareness enable us to engage in different ways in, in a given sort of unit of time. And as mm-hmm. consciousness becomes heightened, we're able to break down what an ordinary consciousness would be fewer decision-making moments into a much more differentiated, nuanced sequence in which, in which, again, within the same unit of time, and this may even just be a, a, a few seconds, but there's a lot right. happening there. Uh, right. We can actually function on a more, you know, we actually you know, kind of fathom more decision-making moments within that, within that space. So that's one of the things that, you know, by, by approaching improvisation as a, in a, you know, a meditative way, um, there's, there's yeah. benefits. Then the other thing that we do is, in fact, uh, a dance colleague here, Amy Shavas, and I will co- uh, collaborate every once in a while. And, you know, she does a lot with improvisation. And it was very interesting that we, one of the things that was common to our work, we didn't know each other, uh, was we spent a lot of time on endings. And, hmm. and music... And in improvised music, endings are incredibly problematic. I mean, um, it's, <laughs> so I, I mean, it's a kind of a standing joke among my students is that, you know, in sort of an improvised music scene here, um, you better get your ending, you know, you better be able to, um, you know, sort of navigate endings. And, uh, you know, it's very complicated because, because one person's ending is another person's beginning and all that kind of stuff. Sure. Generally speaking, um, over time, there's there's much more consensus. Like you know, we'll play, and then we'll kind of evaluate it, assess um, the effectiveness of the piece. Kind of a standard thing. Um, overwhelming consensus in terms of um, that was a, that would that would have been an amazing ending. And <laughs> right, right. And the reason we use endings is that we're not as deep. You know, we're, it's basically almost always we're not as deep. Um, and, then, and then it gets it gets really fun because. There's, there's also, you know, let's just say somebody misses, you know, some kind of optimized, you know, oh, that was an ideal ending. Um, um, there's still, there's still ways out, and, and, and this and marvelous things can happen using these, yeah. using these tools. But um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's I, I love that because um, um, the I, I can I imagine or remember being both as an audience member and as a fellow performer thinking like oh here's the ending and then someone else not making that same scene it the same way or making that same choice or something like that and you're like oh my gosh now we've got to figure this out again we got to like find another ending and we had it um, and and you know it's just a different a different kind of point of view or a different perspective on what's happening or what's coming to fruition um in those moments and but yeah endings definitely are are um are challenging in many ways i think because because it's like how do you especially as you're improvising you're continually gathering material and gathering information and the you as a performer as an improviser and also the audience and then when you come to that ending is it a 
resolution? Is it a is it just a, a fading away? Is it a, a statement that pulls everything together, or is it something that opens up in kind of to spaciousness for people to step out into? Um, there's just so many ways that 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 ending can happen. Um, you know that it's that it's that it's often a, a, a challenge to come to that group consensus, um, if especially like in a free, you know, an open improv or a free improv kind of situation where there's not a predetermined structure, yeah, or the predetermined structure is minimal, like we're going to play for twenty minutes or whatever. Um, no, it's one of my favorite topics, you know. And the thing is, you know, one of one of the things I, you know, as I've worked with these ideas, you know, I, uh, we work on beginnings a lot. Well, not so much on beginnings as uh, very short pieces. So uh -huh. it takes some time to say, okay, who can play the shortest piece? Because the thing is, if you can, if you can play, let's say, a fifteen-minute piece with the awareness that you would sustain, if you're going to play a fifteen-second piece. That fifteen-minute piece is going to be deep. I mean, that's going to be some, um, you know, because you, you, this thing is, and so, and so I said, well, that's what we need to do, you know. And you yeah. able to, you know, who can play a seven-second piece? You should really, from the beginning, you, you, you're playing in that moment-to-moment -moment awareness where you can, you can simultaneously. This is where meditation is very valuable. You can simultaneously entertain future possibilities, even if the, in the most general way, but also engage, you know, in the in the in the, in the localized present, as I call it, uh, in a very deep way, and. Uh, and that combination is really is really where it's at. Yeah, but so so we work a lot on, um, you know, just um, you know, it's, it's really it's really so much of it, isn't it? Is the awareness? It's really yeah. that improvisatory awareness and just you know, because I teach jazz improvisation too. So, um, you know, one there's there's you know the parallels is that there's uh, you know like like in any kind of activity you have kind of uh, normative sort of just. Um, you know, uh, conditioned functioning, you know, I, I call it, the, you know, it's, the, difference. it's the, the functioning of the competent practitioner, but there's a difference between the competent practitioner and the artist, and the artist mm. is able to go into that moment in, in a way and um, dig up, you know, under things, and I think it's a matter, and improv, you know, people just assume that, oh, it's improvisatory, so therefore it's like, it's, you know, it's spiritual, it's, you know, it's freer, and it's spiritual, and all that, and that's not necessarily, right. um, you know, it's just as prone to conditioned patterns, and that's, um, right. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I there is this one exercise I'll do with my students where I'll have them do like a, a minute or a minute and a half kind of solo improv, and I'll say, be really aware how you're beginning and what is the beginning, and be then really sense when you move into the middle of the piece, and then you know as we come to the end, be aware of how you're ending it, and and really be so you're going to do a beginning you're going to have a clear middle and you're going to have a clear end and then so they do that a couple times we talk about what is a beginning what is a middle what is an end stuff like that and i said okay now you're going to do it but you're going to do the begin you're going to do the middle first and then you're going to do the beginning and then you're going to do the end. or you're going to do the end first yeah. and then the beginning and then the middle or kind of switch it up and of course it's partly just kind of a mental mind game to like kind of get them off balance a little bit um but it's it's always fosters really interesting conversations about what that arc is yeah. um, and what it can accomplish or, or not. Um, I, so yeah. I love that because it just, you know, like all these things just shake people out of their ordinary patterns, you know? Yeah. yeah. That's just, you know, you can't go wrong with that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, could you, maybe uh, one thing I was noticing um, when I was looking at UWM's um, website 
um, under you know some of the jazz offerings, degrees and stuff like that. And there's a there's definitely a differentiation between jazz improvisation and contemporary improvisation. Right. Um, I wonder if you could just speak to that a little bit yeah. and what that difference is. Yeah. Well, it's really. I mean, most of us think of it as a as a continuum. It's very fluid. Yeah. We do the best we can, as you know. You know, it's like as artists, you know, we know. I mean, the humanity needs to learn this in terms of like words are, you know, words are provisional descriptions. They're not the you know the territory. <laughs> yeah, we know about this. Um, yeah. Jazz and contemporary. You know, so what we wanted to do is. Um, Kind of set ourselves apart. We're not the only school that is dealing with contemporary improvisation, but it's but it actually, jazz education tends to be uh, rooted towards mainstream approaches. So it is, you know, we are somewhat in, innovative. There's maybe a handful or two of other schools, and and so it's 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 a continuum that okay. So jazz at its core, it's a, you're talking, you know, bebop. Um, um, it's kind of like a sort of a common practice a aspect of jazz. But when you start going into modal and then there's free jazz. Um, and then, you know, jazz fusion with uh, other traditions around the world, there's all those kind of things. You start getting to the edges of the label. Uh, yeah. And then, of course, there's big debates, of course, what is jazz and what is not. Uh, yeah. And, um, of course, you know, the jazz tradition itself was is really driven by artists who challenge the word and challenge the boundaries. So, so, so sometimes tradition, so-called traditionalists, you know, kind of stake very rigid claims in terms of well, this, this is not, but actually, the jazz icons were always kind of pushing the pushing the boundaries. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, so there, there, there does come a point where the the, the the improvisatory continuum broaches terrain that is fairly clearly not jazz um, from most people's standpoint. I, I could see an argument to the contrary. Um, and we sure. we want to you know we wanted to to keep you know to accommodate all of that within a within kind of a single spectrum. So that's that's sort of where the name came out, jazz mm. improvisation. And I guess so. Um, I'm, one thing that I'm really curious about is is that moment of going into performance, um, and maybe this kind of feeds on some of the things that you've you've already we've already talked about. But um, you know when you're stepping into performance. And maybe it's different in different situations, but what what do you know and what do you not know often? Um, like, what kind of structures might you have, yeah. or constraints might you have, or not? Yeah. Okay, so now, okay, so now you're talking to the contemporary improvised music end of the spectrum. Yeah. I'm, I'm assuming. Well, maybe, maybe. I mean, it'd yeah. be interesting to know the difference. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think I, I know some of the difference, yeah. but sure. No, this is great. Well, okay. Well, let's go back into the jazz. So, sort of, you know, so you have the standard jazz framework where you have you have basically a, a composition of some sort with rhythmic you know rhythmic and harmonic framework and all that kind of stuff in the improvised mm -hmm. happens on, 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 that, on that structure because that's one end of the impository continuum at the other end there's not there's absolutely nothing planned in advance and we sort of do um in my work in my teaching in my department it kind of spans the whole continuum so there might be things with some very general structures but what i prefer mm -hmm. um I, I like the whole thing but i i love as a jazz musician playing in you know, more or less um, improvising on compositions and everything, but also compositions that lend themselves to, to kind of wide-ranging excursions. So I write a lot of my own music. And, uh, um, those tend to be more conducive to that. Um, and then I also like, um, you know, the, the other end, uh, the, the, the extreme end of the improvisatory, open improvisatory continuum, where there's nothing established in advance. Now, where this gets interesting is that the larger the ensemble, the more challenging this is. 
Sure. Um, and that I'm not sure. That probably holds in dance, but maybe it's not as dramatic. That, you know, at least the challenge. But that would be an interesting conversation. So we yeah. we have what's called the the Creative Arts Orchestra, which uh-huh. is now directed by a colleague of mine, Mark Kirschman, who's been actually doing it for a while. And so this ensemble often it's you know from 18. Um, we've even had over 30 players sometimes. So. It's almost unheard of for an ensemble that large to actually improvise whole concerts without anything planned in advance, because sure. it takes a kind of uh, a kind of preparation and everything. I have a kind of uh, Mark and I actually uh, developed our own systems, but also developed uh, common common practices that uh, this is what we do. Yeah. So that is, um, I mean, it, it's an intense challenge. Because it's not just a matter of individual players. Say, if you have a, a 25-piece group, individual players being really great improvisers themselves, they have to also be um, very uh, uh, acutely a- alert to the ch- particular challenges of. I have I have a kind of thing where anything over eight players, it's like it's like, it's like a paradigmatic threshold where um, you're you're asking for trouble. <laughs> Uh-huh. Also, you're also opening the possibility for a kind of magic to happen when when you do have ensembles of that. And of course, you know that's not that's nothing compared to like in, you know like 18 or you know, right. more than that. Um, so so that's kind of that kind of gives a you know so so when you're dealing with a large or totally open impository framework again with nothing planned in advance, yeah. a, a lot of the rehearsing you know you're dealing with interactive exercises that are dealing with listening on like a whole different level. Because the thing is, if you're playing just with two or three people, and we break the ensemble down in a lot, so you have you know duets and, and, and even solo. Right. Because that's part of it. But when you're playing with two or three people, the stakes are not as as high in terms of lack of clarity. Hmm. So when you're dealing with a larger ensemble, the the the, the bar is raised in terms of the necessity for utter clarity of idea, and um, and that doesn't mean that you have to narrow the, the creative boundaries, but it, mm-hmm. it, it means the kind of the level of conviction and just the way it's, it's like it's like you have to play from a collective awareness in a much more dramatic way than if you're playing with a small. I mean, obviously, you always want to play with a collective awareness, but it's really, you know, like I said, like the, like the bar is raised. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. I mean, I, I that's it's interesting that you kind of kind of feeling like eight is the number and after that it gets it gets challenging and i've always said that with a dance movement improvisation actually that number is five once you go above five it's it's really hard to keep everyone focused um you know one thing that in dance we're dealing with is space and um because you know it's very easy that a like a duet could start forming downstage and another trio or quartet is stepping upstage and they don't know what each other's doing and it gets gets really can get really muddy with five you can kind of track everyone you know visually and kinesthetically after five it gets um unless they're really again they have to be really experienced and know how to listen and watch and stuff like that but um it can get just kind of crazy after that yeah that's so Um, interesting though because that's not that different than eight you know and of course yeah but that's yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like what do they say that you can only keep five things or seven oh, yeah. things in your in your brain at one yeah. time? Yeah. You know, like yeah. multitasking. Yeah. And um, so there's something about that as as well. Um, 
Yeah, that's really interesting. I, I kind of want to, I don't know if this is the most logical progression. It may be a little kind of, but I want to swoop back up and maybe finish because um, I'm would. i really curious about um, what you said about improvisation and even some integral theory stuff and all this stuff relating to social justice. Right. Because um, this is obviously a, um, it's, it's something I'm thinking about a lot. Um, I have this big project right now um, that revolves around social justice. And um, so I'm curious about how you bring that element um, into this practice. Yeah, in this, wow, I mean, this is such a, such a big, what a timely issue, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And um, there's so many, late, so many entryways in it. So one thing, I mean, so we're dealing with jazz. Jazz is black music. And so um, it has a marginalized place in the academy. So um, this a uh, big part of what I'm, of my work, um, especially in the last maybe five years, I was on this national task force dealing with opening up music studies. Um, you know, so you have a built-in social justice uh, crisis right there. So, yeah. so there, that's one, that's one angle. Um, but it goes more than you know. So I think of it in terms of so, you, so that's sort of an ethnological crisis in a way. You have a, an, a marginalized ethnology. Uh, ethnological group, but one of the themes in my recent book, uh, my Black Music Matters book, is that that we have to deal with epistemology, which would be, in this case would be creative creativity, epistemology and ethnology together. So, so when we're dealing with sort of um, so, so a lot of a lot of the uh, social justice discourse is about ethnology, and when you look at improvisation, it's it's a, it's an expansion of the epistemic scope. It's expansions of, of like our ways of being that is that is also marginalized. So that's another way of um, of looking at um, addressing marginalization. And, and the, the tendency I'm generalizing here, but the tendency is people either focus on the ethnological or the epistemological. So so say like the improvised improvisation movement is is basically um, an epistemological movement, even though the actors, the players are. Often, not always, but often from marginalized groups, and and, and, what, and what I would like to see is those two things intertwine. You know, so those are those are two angles there, um, and um, it's uh, yeah, it's uh, it's an exciting moment to be doing. And then of course, then there's yeah. of course there's the sort of the improvisatory nature of the activism itself, too. That, right. that you know the, the moment to moment, also the interactive, the interactive functioning, and the ability to kind of like you know the, the activist needs to be seize openings, needs to kind of look at patterns, be be very hip to that kind of thing. So those, are, I mean, those are three pretty major um, um, connections right there. And, and of course, then there's yeah. a connect, then there's the, the question of the meditation in relationship to the social justice um, the project, also. Right. And. Um, yeah. There's, um, I'm involved in, uh, there's, in uh, there's a contemplative studies movement. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's actually really kind of really gaining, gaining steam. And um, there's conferences and publications, everything. And increasingly, there is a social justice um, aspect of that. And so that'll, you know, that involves meditation, bringing, you know, and again, there's multiple lines here. There's, you know, there's the yeah. contemplative nature, nature of the activism, opening up the activist to, you know, great, like more expansive compassion and everything like that. So people are, can go beyond the, you know, uh, taking, you know, getting into a reactive, interact, or reactive kind of thing, combative, mm -hmm. antagonistic sort of thing, which is, you know, actually, uh, you know, some of that is inherent in the social justice and activism. 
But, sure. Um, but the you know the, the, the most powerful activists though were, were able to transcend that, and that that doesn't mean become oblivious to oppression, but just right. being able to engage in it from a you know more expansive kind of standpoint. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, wonderful. All right. Well, I, I don't want to take up too much of your time. Um, that was really wonderful. I feel like there's lots of threads that we we started on and that yeah. we could um ha- t- pick one of those up and kind of go more in depth for for um many more conversations um so i appreciate you taking the time today and um chatting me about these things great my, pl- my pleasure daniel yeah great all right thank you okay, thanks all right take care now you too So I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Ed. Please check out the show notes for information about how to find Ed out in the world and on the web, as well as links to information about me and the Actor Act podcast. In the next episode, I'll be talking with Audrey Chen, an improvisational musician working in Berlin. Audrey and I worked together a number of times when we both lived in the Washington, D.C. and Baltimore area. She is certainly one of the most captivating performers I've ever seen, and our conversation is equally engaging as she discusses her artistic practice and how that connects to her everyday life. It was a wonderful, insightful conversation. I don't doubt that you'll find it as interesting as I did. To finish off here today, here's an excerpt from one of Ed's songs, Proclamation, from his suite of jazz orchestra, from his album New Beginnings. Uh, You can find the full album at CD Baby. So enjoy. Uh, Thanks again for listening, and until next time. Thank you.